Man, 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 TLC's finished up. It's in the rear view now, and uh, we're moving on to Monday Night Raw and hitting off uh, the road to WrestleMania officially next month on the 27th. Fact, what is that? I believe the 33rd annual Royal Rumble, and we'll have the second ever Women's Royal Rumble match coming up. Man, man, what a show. Shouts out to all of the podcast team. All the guys that bring you this, you know, shouts to Tom, shouts to uh, EPW, shouts to WrestleFania, Brandon and Mike, go check them out, look them up, there's so many other ones, shouts to After Buzz TV, these guys uh, all contribute to this podcast from the shadows, but for now, we definitely have the... Uh, it's a discussion, somewhat the results. We, If you didn't catch the show last night, you missed out. I would highly suggest you go get the WWE Network right now because you could still get to see it. Uh, if you're a new subscriber, you definitely get to see it for free. You, you will not be sorry. It was one of the better shows of the year, and that's not from my opinion. That's from uh, the Internet in itself, all of the people that feel the way about it. I highly, highly enjoyed the show. I thought the commentary was awesome. I thought the kickoff show was awesome. A couple of things I noticed on the kickoff show was that we didn't even have a, we didn't have any of the video packages shown, which is a, is, a, is actually a change. We had more so of a discussion, and from, you know, an all star panel with Booker T, who was named Sam Roberts, not Sam, uh, Jonathan Coachman, of course, and you know David Otunga, who's you know, has accolades out the yin-yang, but this is how I feel about these guys. Either way, uh, let's get directly into the uh, results. Hey, if it's too loud, just turn me up. We had a... Sound good, right? I, we, we're going to try something different now. It's about time we got a little bit of body of work, so we're moving forward. And, uh, you know... Have things a little cool because this is what it's all about. So kick back. We started off our evening with uh, the, of course, again the kickoff panel, which completely crushed it in my opinion. Once they started gelling and they were they were speaking about, they started making their points. They were able to play off of each other really well. But we had our uh, cruiserweight championship match on the kickoff between uh, the champion Buddy Murphy defending against. Uh, Cedric Alexander, where it was, of course, obvious that, uh, well, I don't say too obvious, but Buddy Murphy just got the championship. He's been on a fair run. Cedric Alexander had an excellent 2018. He's been on board uh, with the company for a while. It was a lot of a lot of heavy hitting spots. They were given a lot of great in-ring time as far as the kickoff show went. You know, the kickoff show was really, uh, it's really geared toward getting people uh, acclimated with what's been going on and we want people to uh, join the family you know the family is totally uh, welcoming anybody with open arms so you guys should uh, definitely try to get some more people into it because the naysayers are always going to be there but when you see an opening match like Cedric Alexander and Buddy Murphy going at it with the knees the back elbows flips the reversals these guys know each other so well and they showed it in the ring and then it's something that you'd want to uh continue to follow along with i could only imagine how uh 
Cedric is going to respond to this on 205 Live. I know Buddy Murphy is going to be feeling himself a lot. Being able to catch that victory in the way he did, it was, uh, it was, it was almost foreseeable, you know. Ced had his, had his hot spots, had his great moments. He even hit a lumbar check, you know, but at the end of the day, Buddy Murphy was able to get, you know, uh, his foot on the ropes. That's great ring presence and great ring awareness. I liked how, uh, the, the end of the story turned into Buddy Murphy not necessarily needing to cheat or anything. He, I think he told, did it when he dropped toe hold into the corner. And that ended up leaving him for opening for Murphy's law. And, you know, said did what he could. You could see before the drop toe hold, said was walking over to him with, uh, with complete fatigue in his whole body. You go back and watch the match. He was, it, I can't really explain it, but he had like a real, uh, uh, zombie uh, feel to him, but it was him dragging himself to try to continue fighting. Buddy Murphy was tired. They had a lot of great spots. It was, a, uh, I believe, a Death Valley driver onto the ring apron. Looked extremely painful, very brutal from Cedric Alexander. So he brought his A game, but Buddy Murphy just got the better of him that night. It shouldn't uh, be a blemish on Cedric Alexander's. Uh, you know, his feelings or emotions at all, he can, you know, whether he's at the back of the line, the middle of the line, or the front of the line, he should still continue to uh, be strong about it, and, you know, uplift the brand, because that's what it's all about, I think, you know, the 205 Live crowd was definitely in the building, I would say maybe toward the middle of the match, people started realizing, oh yes, this is exactly what we're coming in for, you know, if you've ever been to a live WWE event, you know that, you know, standing outside for however many hours, getting in and getting seated and all the rest of that, to to come in and see that high amount of action, it was very, very cool to have all of that taking place between the two, so I really enjoy, I enjoyed the match, I appreciated the match, and, you know, the juggernaut reigns on, you know, uh, who could be next? You know, we could be looking at Mustafa Ali. Uh, you know, he definitely had a great showing on SmackDown Live against the new Daniel Bryan. Uh, you know, we got a lot of other people that could possibly uh, be vying for it. But at the end of the day, it remains to be seen. It lies in the hands of the general manager, Drake Maverick. And I'm pretty sure he'll say it lies on who's uh, been seeming the hungriest. I don't have a real personal pick at who should be next. I know, like I said, Mustafa Ali's been doing this thing. And everyone else right now seems a, a little tied up in their storylines. I know that um, Noam Dar, uh, he you know, unfortunately had an injury recently, but he could come back. And, uh, you know, he could be trying to take a shot at it, but he's going to have to go through a couple of faces uh, to be able to get to that point. But again, Juggernaut wins. Cedric Alexander is uh, no loser to me, and in defeat, it should only make him more hungry to get back to the top of the mountain where he was. So the next match we had on the kickoff show after some more uh, bang-up commentary from the kickoff panel and discussion, and in-depth analysis into the show and uh, really in my opinion just building hype toward the events and giving much needed insight into how uh, some of this stuff could take place throughout the evening we had Elias versus the almighty Bobby Lashley 
in a ladder match. So, you know, it's in that color what they want. I'm not really going to make the joke right now because I don't feel like it. But, uh, you know, the, the guitar was at the top of the ladder. The first person to reach the ladder, I mean, to reach the uh, guitar would have won the match. I believe at a small moment in time, it was whoever gets the guitar is able to use it. But we know the guitar is more of a one-shot uh, item. So, you know, they changed it at the at whatever moment, I wouldn't say the last second, but it was decided that whoever gets it is gonna be able to win the match and whatever happens after that happens. Because especially on a pay-per-view with WWE, you never know, it's so unpredictable. But, you know, they had a real cool match, crazy ladder spots. You can feel that they were attempting to um, do what they could, you know? I think that the spots where you saw things like uh, I said there's no wrong way I mean there's no right way to land on a ladder but Elias kind of proved me wrong with that because he had got uh, he got the almighty out of the ring onto the barricade and put you know slammed the ladder on top of him and was able to you know jump and stomp on the ladder that effectively is not painful to the person delivering the attack so there you go Good job, Elias. The clap for Elias with that because there you go. No, and, and, and a real man is not afraid to uh, admit when he's wrong. So yeah, Elias was able to pull that off. And um, they, they, again, they had a real cool match. Uh, crazy ladder spots, vertical suplexes on the ladder. One thing I want to say about Bobby Lashley is that he is extremely strong outside of his favorite pose. You know, which is a long bow, believe it or not. I know how it looks, but I'm, let's say sleep on that. He's, um, Elias is no small guy. You know, he's very statuesque. And the the fact that Bobby Lashley was able to lift him full vertical suplex in the fashion that he did, man, that was awesome looking, you know, and it was easy. Then it only gives to uh, just how well Elias works with pretty much anybody he's in there with in my opinion so they had a couple ladder spots you know drop kicks and suplexes wasn't anything to leave him crazy injured Elias was able to get to the top a couple uh, attempted interferences from Leo Rush but Elias was able to get the best better of him for a moment all in all just like uh, I think it was Booker T on the panel that said you know Elias won the battle but the almighty Bobby Lashley won the war because once Elias was able to keep Lashley down for long enough, he was able to climb, ascend the ladder, and grab the guitar, ding ding. Congratulations to Elias for winning the match. But after, you know, post match, Bobby Lashley and Leo Rush ended up getting the best of him, broke the guitar on him, and uh, Leo Rush was able to head to the top rope. He's extremely excited. But he said, uh, yeah, uh, move the ladder, move the ladder. You can hear how excited Leo Rush is. You don't like him because he's annoying. At least respect him because he has totally been a, uh, a pioneering force in this new new character we've seen out of Bobby Lashley. You know, Bobby Lashley came back, you know, being a seeming good guy and, you know, wearing his little caps to the ring. And, you know, outside of the headbands and such like that. But no, no, Bobby Lashley, since Leo Rush has uh, been inserted into the picture, you know, he got his shades, he got his vest, he's showing off the pectorals, you know, all of the lats and the glutes and such like that. But he's very uh, 
very new and I personally like his little mean streak that he's on, you know, he's not necessarily a nice guy. And um you know you would almost uh you'd almost question when he's gonna go on some sort of a, a title run, whether it be for the Intercontinental Championship, you know, maybe he you know we know he's uh, been searching for the Universal Championship. He wants to beat Brock Lesnar. Um, I'm, you know, it's gonna happen if it happens. It's not necessarily up to me. I think it's up to the collective voice of the WWE Universe. So as time continues to progress, you know, uh, even though Bobby Lashley took a loss there, we cannot forget the wins he has picked up in the past. You know, overall wins. Um, well, the, the time that Baron Corbin was the general manager, you know, uh, at least uh, acting or the elect in the moment, and we can get into all of that in a little while, you know, Bobby Lashley was attempting to position himself at a higher space on the roster, and it takes away nothing, you know, you go back and watch some of the raw replays when they, uh, when they uploaded to the WWE Network, and even watch Raw Tonight, you know, at uh, 8 o'clock on the USA Network, you can see that Bobby Lashley is shown to be extremely athletic, extremely strong, he can't take away from his muscle, you know, and it's, uh, some call him a hybrid athlete, but that's, um, and it's only been uh, exclusive for a couple of other superstars, you know, that have like that uh, speed and power at the same exact time, so all in all, Leo Rush, like I said, had a final hour on Elias, after the match is over with, Elias picks up the win, but Bobby Lashley walks out looking strong. I can't wait to see Elias tonight. You know, he went down to Leo Rush and Bobby Lashley, but I get the feeling that the drifter is, uh, well, he, of course he has bigger things to worry about, but at the same time, he uh, definitely has something else to prove, so I'm pretty sure he'll be back out on the road to look very, very cool in the time being. Well, if he's even on board, because we do know that Vince McMahon, the chairman of the board, is going to be on Monday Night Raw tonight on the USA Network, so I'm sure you tune in to that. Alright, so shouts to the panel. We said it a few times, can't say it enough, the kickoff show is definitely a separate entity from the main show, but the end of the day you guys to respect the kickoff panel has that sports center feel that sports center energy we got an all-star cast on the panel and with that being said they did a great job at getting us all that in-depth analysis into all of the matches that will be taking place throughout the night so with all that being said and shit wwe mixed match challenge finals first time ever we actually got to see a pay-per-view match on facebook watch if you missed out on the mixed match challenge you missed out if you watched it you already know it was highly entertaining it was a lot of in-ring uh, chatter that's not something that we get very often it was fun it was a cool little uh tournament round robin style where we got to see I would almost say a better part of the roster because of, well, due to the unfortunate slew of injuries that had befallen so many of the superstars, but all in all, it was a fun tournament, and 
two of the teams that were actually long-standing, Mahalisha being Alicia Fox, the captain, and Jinder Mahal, what took on uh, the Fabulous Truth being R-Truth and Carmella. You know, those two made it to the finals. They had the, the lowest uh, lowest ranks, but the, the lowest records. <laughs> but again, long-standing in chemistry, they were able to uh, make, it, make their way to the finals for their, repre- for their uh, respective brands. So, we got a dance break. We got the Bollywood boys attempting to be a part of the dance break. It was much longer than seven seconds this time around. That was a cool treat for the WWE Universe. If you don't dance around uh, to the dance break, I don't know what's wrong with you. It's not, it's not be a stick in the mud because it's always fun. But all in all, we got to see Carmella lock in a code of silence to uh, Alicia Fox, which, you know, resulted in the fabulous truth winning the whole shebang and getting that free trip all expenses paid to anywhere in the world and they're gonna get the number 30 spots in the Royal Rumble now she's our truth and um his his uh his character has been nothing short of great especially in the past few months this even goes back to the golden truth with him and gold dust you know but sticking to what we're dealing with right now our truth is uh he's gonna be number 30 i could only imagine what he's gonna do in the number 30 slot i've heard people uh, make reference to him maybe being confused and ending up in the women's uh, royal rumble he could uh sell his spot i don't have any idea what he's possibly going to do but he could definitely uh, be a factor going into the Royal Rumble on January 27th streaming live on the WWE Network but it's going to be awesome either way because in the second ever women's Royal Rumble match we're going to have Carmella coming in at number 30 which is uh, something to be taken a little more seriously because you know she is a former women's champion and we all know that she's very capable, so, uh, you know, the Princess of Staten Island could go on to WrestleMania, potentially, off of this uh, seemingly joke team, which I wouldn't call a joke team, it's more of an odd couple, but the dance break has definitely been, excuse me, the seven second dance break has been something that has, uh, drawing the interest of a lot of the WWE universe I enjoy it because it's a nice uh nice break from all of the action and it's fun they've come out at random times to do it and it's been it's just been comical you know so again all in all R-Truth and Car- Carmella uh get the win over Mahalisha take nothing away from Mahalisha you know take nothing away from Jinder Mahal and the Shing brothers uh Alicia Fox is still my captain she's still the captain you know and Perhaps next year she can definitely uh, go back and potentially win it all again. Don't sleep on Alicia Fox because, you know, she's you know, former Divas champion. She has the longest tenure on the women's roster. And she could at any time win. She is one of the best Northern Lights suplexes in the game. That's, that's something to respect in and of itself, you know, because of the long legs. And she, again, she could win at any time, but she just has to get the, the crazy out of the way so at the end of the match the lovely Kayla Braxton is uh she wants to find out uh how they feel 
and where they're going. They had to submit where they would want to go. Everyone that, well, at least both teams, where they would want to go if they were to win. And Carmella, I guess, missed that memo. But luckily for us, our troop had already submitted it. So these guys are going to... Stanford, Connecticut, Titan Tower. If you don't know what that is, what that is, it's WWE headquarters. So they're gonna be vacationing in a in the in HQ. How about that? That's 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 pretty cool. You know, I know it's a million other places they could have gone, but you know, I'm pretty sure they have some really cool accommodations uh, for people that one of vacation there I guess uh, Renee Young on commentary said that the Stanford Mall is beautiful it's great to go there so you know they could have fun together you never ever know maybe we might even get a segment uh, or two regarding uh, how their trip is going at WWE headquarters but whatever right it was a hilarious segment all in all it was a great match and it was a very fun tournament I'll miss it until next time serious stuff now not to take away from any of the matches beforehand we had the Smackdown Tag Team Championship triple threat match between the champions the bar defending against the New Day and the Usos there was uh, no stipulation here outside of all three teams needing to keep their head on the swivel the main story clearly was uh, of course the strategy was to keep the Usos, the champions, out of the ring. They didn't necessarily have to be pinned or submitted to lose the championships. It was uh, a great match, you know. We saw all of the good spots. We saw a lot of the finishing maneuvers. We saw the, uh, the swing. It was Kofi and Xavier Woods that went in this time representing the New Day. Had Biggie outside of the ring cheering them on. And uh, it, was, it was cool, you know, great great moments in the match uh, it was uh, one of the highlights for me was all of the super kicks from uh, one of the Usos I uh, can't tell them apart <laughs> because they're twins but shouts to the both of them they're the same energy to me I know they're different in their own rights but they know that they're they, they've been a tag team forever they had the uh, uh, in my opinion the momentum uh, going into this because they won the rap battle even though the ball was standing strong they you know the rap battle thing they put themselves out there as a tag team and they showed that they can have fun but they can also be serious I was actually uh, going for the new day just because of uh, you know it's, it's my squad it's my team but all in all we can't take away anything from the bar you know RTH respect the Hulk Seamus uh has always been a very strong competitor. Every time I look at him and Cesaro, I think back to the best of seven they had on Raw, where they didn't like each other. And I think it ended in a draw, but all in all, they turned into the tag team that they are today. So they are an organically built team, uh, just like the other two. But all in all, they were able to pull out the victory here. We saw uh, one the, the wood spot with the big elbow where he uh, you know, balances himself on the ropes. 
and uh, you know walks over, come hits that giant elbow. He hit it from uh, about uh, 60% of the ring this time. He, that's a very long distance. Again, we had a bunch of super kicks from uh, the Uso. Hit almost everybody with it. It was um, great, great, great moments. But all in all, it all it takes is one, like he said. But Sheamus hit a broke kick on Woods and was able to pick up the pinfall victory. Ball are still the tag team champions, which, in my opinion, with this victory, it officially solidifies them. Not to take away anything from uh, what these guys have done previously with the tag team championships, but now this definitely makes them a top tag team in the WWE. Say what you want to feel, how you feel about um, how these guys have been going back and forth throughout the year and you know being the teams that have been facing off against each other in variation but regardless of that what we have to recognize is that the bar has been uh, uh, long-standing and usually by this point uh, tag teams will have breaking up but they've been the bar they prove that what they say is not just a saying it's actually how they're living it you know they're they're setting the bar because they just are that they're strong they're fast they can knock you out at any moment and they're the smackdown our tag team champions this almost makes me say to the smackdown tag team roster and the off chance that they ever get to hear this what's going on y'all I don't, I'm not going to say any names, only because they know that they have to do whatever they can do to step up. It can't just continue to be these three teams uh, showing up for the SmackDown Live roster. But right now, on board, it isn't necessarily, uh, the competition isn't crazy. But we they, you know, we should be wanting to dominate the brand, especially with 6-1, uh, you know, the tag, SmackDown tag team, you know tag team division won that but and you know even though it's quoted as a, a, a clean sweep the tag division on Monday Night Raw isn't looking anywhere near as good as the Smackdown tag team division did I say that correctly either way right now we got Bobby Roode and Chad Gable as tag team champions and you know we got AOP but after that I'm not really knowing who else on the Raw roster is even are really stepping up, but we things are going to be shaking up tonight on Monday Night Raw because remember the chairman of the board, the almighty Mr. McMahon, which I expect you all to stand up to your feet when you hear that music hit. He'll be making an appearance, and you know, my hope is we get a superstar shake up only because I liked it and it's going to be something fresh and new. and it, it's gonna be really really cool to see if that takes place but that it's not up to me it's up to VKM himself so that was a tag team championship match the bar retains shouts to all three teams next up we had the first of two TLC matches between um, the general manager elect Baron Corbin and Braun Strowman. We knew the stipulations. They, they, it was very high stakes in the matchup. Braun Strowman was able to pick up the victory. He would secure a Universal Championship match against Brock Lesnar at Royal Rumble. And if uh, general manager elect Baron Corbin won, then he would uh, be the 
permanent general manager on Monday Night Raw. It turns out that uh, Braun Strowman got injured, so Baron Corbin was definitely underneath the impression that he was going to be able to win the match by forfeit part of but he thought he was going to win because Braun wouldn't be able to compete at all. So, you know, he's in the ring and he's he had Heath Slater with him. You know, this is his personal ref. It's almost like another show of him abusing his power to now have a personal referee with you to ensure that you win all of your matches. But it doesn't matter because... Once, uh, I believe, you know, he started to count, the bell rang, well, pardon me, the bell rang, the official, Heath Slater, started to count. By the time they got to eight, Braun Strowman did make his appearance on the show. We were all worried about him. I was definitely hoping that he was okay. You can go back to uh, my raw reviews and recaps throughout the weeks leading up to TLC, and I was really hoping that he would be able to uh, be good to go in the match came out and he had his arm in the sling so were we gonna see a one-armed man try to take on a a golden gloves boxer you know in a match where the brutality is at the forefront not exactly because Baron excuse me uh Braun Strowman was you know reminded everyone of the TLC matches not no disqualification so anything could happen he could have anybody come out and help I'll be honest with you, for a moment, I did think that we were going to see Bray Wyatt come out and take care of business. We know that Bray has, excuse me, a brand new character that's going to be unveiled in uh, the coming weeks. Whenever it happens is whenever it happens. Um, it's no rush on that. It'll just be good to see him back on WWE television, but... Even though we didn't get Bray, we were still treated with the surprise of a lot of the up-and-coming and and even uh, veteran superstars on Raw at this point. And, uh, you know, we see Apollo, we saw the tag team champions who we were just speaking on, and Bobby Roode and Chad Gable. We were able to see the, the newly crowned rebel of Monday Night Raw, the extraordinary man who can do extraordinary things, Finn Balor, who even had a match coming up against Drew McIntyre. So, you know, he pulled double duty that night. But, you know, Apollo was out there, you know, the tag champs, Finn is out there. And these are all of the people that Baron Corbin has uh, deemed on the wrong side of history throughout the weeks on Monday Night Raw. So he's been uh, flexing some of his power and it's uh, been a little foul, but these guys all surrounded the ring with uh, chairs, and they were all there because, you know, I think it was even brought up on the kickoff show, these guys aren't necessarily behind Braun Strowman on the roster, but, you know, the enemy of the enemy is the friend. We saw Corbin abusing his power, and we got to see these guys all take up as a unit, and as the Royal Locker Room, and say, uh-uh. We can't take that anymore with you just coming in and changing matches midway through and trying to injure people just so you could uh, be the only guy on Raw so now you can win a championship, putting yourself in championship matches when these opportunities could go to other superstars. And these, 
these uh, four guys, including the uh, official, and Heath Slater. You know, he took off his official shirt and threw it at uh, Baron Corbin, and they all went to town on him. You know, Baron Corbin said, no, no, I'm not going to continue to take the punishment, so he decided to exit the ring, and once he decided to exit, who other than the official general manager of Monday Night Raw, who was uh, sent on vacation, I guess the vacation ended, but Kurt Angle, an Olympic hero, true American hero, comes out, uh, you know, his music hits, a great reaction from the San Jose crowd, with a, you know, gets a chair, and, you know, he goes to town on Corbin, sends him back down to the ring, we get to see a bunch of finishing maneuvers, we get to see an angle slam. Maybe Kurt Angle is back as general manager. Who knows? We'll see what happens when the chairman of the board comes back to Raw tonight to shake things up. But all in all, he put his uh, ref shirt, well, his referee jersey back on. And Braun Strowman, the one-armed monster, was able to secure the pinfall victory. And it was a cocky pin, too. He stood on Baron's chest, posed with the muscle, and got that one, two, three, which is you know 100% awesome now we're gonna see in our I assume main event for the Universal Championship at Royal Rumble on January 27th Braun Strowman is taking on Brock Lesnar Braun Strowman is gonna be stronger than ever going into that you know excuse me that Brock has been a true true uh, uh, reigning champion Anyone he's going against, he's beaten, you know, and Braun is not exempt from that list of, of people that has have been beaten by Brock Lesnar, but we know that there's a, this is a true challenge. This is somebody that actually could pose a potential threat to uh, Brock Lesnar for the Universal Championship because, you know, Braun is a big dude. He's a monster among men. So the Monster and the Beast are going to go at it once again on the WWE Network at Royal Rumble. Baron Corbin is effectively out of a position. We will see uh, what's going to take place tonight on Raw. And, um, uh, hey, I, I, I don't know what's going to happen. I anticipate the show. match between uh, Natalia and Ruby Riot. We know that between these two in the past couple of weeks, a lot of months now, Ruby Riot has been uh, bothering Natty. Uh, trying to get her head. She thinks that Natty is spoiled. She thinks that Natty is entitled because uh, she's uh, a part of the Hart family and she's just using the name to be, you know, who she is and get where she's at in the company. A lot of us couldn't disagree more. Natty is, I mean, not, excuse me, Ruby is entitled to her opinion, but she's uh, gone as far as to break her late father, Jimmy Anvil Neidhart's sunglasses. She's even gone as far as to post an image of his likeness, not post, but, you know, have a, have a cut out of him on a table, I heard, heard the word brandishing, so that his face on the table, had his you know, body of him on the table and said, come to the table's match, we're gonna put you through that, 
so you guys can be closer than ever. It was, uh, wasn't received too well by some, you know, alignments in the WWE universe, but all in all, I think uh, Natty was able to cover that very clearly. I, uh, she said exactly what I figured was the sentiment on some of my recaps and reviews of Raw. You can go back and listen to them and go find that segment where that was brought up. Natty and Ruby Riot went at it in the tables match. The Riot Squad came out with the table that she was gonna try to they they were gonna try to put Natty through. And Natty actually looked extremely strong. You know, just as I said this past week on the Monday Night Raw review, Natty the, the Liv Morgan spot through the table. They looked bananas. They were all on the apron. Morgan was able to push Ruby out of her way. And she basically got uh, speared through the ropes. Except Natty did not go out of the ring with her. But she went flying through the table and landed closer to the announce table. The spot looked very painful. Uh, Daddy Liv, I hope you are right in the audience that you get to hear this. But she is not the largest woman. And... Yeah, she got put through the table. Uh, the Viking princess, Sarah Logan, was also uh, slammed through a table on the hard cam side of the ring, but it was outside. It was uh, uh, well done, you know, from both sides. I think that Natty was able to dispose of uh, the two X-Factors, uh, not easily, but she's fighting from family so you know you get that you get a boost of energy that is undeniable when you know you have something like that going that's the way it looked to me you could hear Natty screaming about it you could see the anger in her face you could see the passion and the moves that she was delivering to Ruby Riot and take nothing away from Ruby Riot but you know she crossed the line and we always see when that line is crossed then you know, there's usually hell to pay. You know, this can even go back to the Samoa Joe and uh, AJ Styles rivalry some time ago. But all in all, uh, her Karana spot was attempted on the top rope from Natty, I mean, from Ruby to Natty, but Natty had the power and the wherewithal to hold on to her, and this ended the match in a really, really awesome power bomb through the table while Natty had a daddy's jacket on. But hold on, because it wasn't just any table. It was a table with the likeness of Ruby Riot on it. How awesome was that? Natty was able to make that happen and uh, give uh, Ruby Riot a taste of her own medicine. So, hopefully we move forward. If these guys go at it some more, I wouldn't be mad at it, but it's... But all in all, you know, I still, you know, we still feel the Riot Squad. I think they're all, they're three very, very dope wrestlers. And, you know, we take nothing away from the only female graduate of the Stu Hart Dungeon and being Natalia, Natalia Nodhart. She is a great, great sports entertainer. And she is basically the mama hen, in my opinion, of the Royal Women's roster. And we could even go as far as to say the women's locker room in general as far as world wrestling entertainment is concerned. But shouts to Natty for picking up that victory over the riot.
wonderful uh, bout between the newly crowned rebel of Monday Night Raw, Finn Balor, and the Scottish psychopath, the Terminator, Mr. Freeze himself, Drew McIntyre. I know how I feel about Drew McIntyre. If not by now, then I'll let it be known again. He is uh, going to be WWE Universal Champion one day or WWE World Heavyweight Champion one day. Whichever way he goes, he's going to be at the top of the mountain. I personally enjoy his work. I think he is uh, sharing some of the sentiments that a lot of people are sharing with complacency in the ring and, uh, you know, just being that dominant force. You know, he's spoken on remolding uh, the locker room into his image, which is fairly hilarious, but he's definitely uh, been a very, very, very strong part of the Royal roster since he's made his debut. Went undefeated for a while, but took a surprise loss to Dolph Ziggler. I mean, Dolph Ziggler could win on any given night, even though we could hand that assist to the newly crowned rebel of WWE, Finn Balor, but I mean, you know, and hey, let's remember that Dolph said he didn't necessarily need the help from Finn, but, you know, I think Finn was more so out there not to help Dolph, but to take out Drew or to piss him off leading into this match that they had at TLC. We saw Finn uh, being a bit wise and going for the legs to try to take out Drew McIntyre to effectively neutralize the uh, Claymore being his signature maneuver. It's knocked out everybody that's touched so far. Scratched Braun Strowman on the eye back in uh, back a couple of weeks ago when they, you know, when the, the pack or the dogs of war and disbanded. But again, take nothing away from the strength and, and, and the strength of Drew McIntyre because he's only picked, he's only been defeated when there's been shenanigans afoot, when there have been interferences. Just to speak about the complacency one more, just in a, in a slight space, I can appreciate how Drew attempts to demean his opponents and get in their head when they're trying to get up, but at the same exact time, you know, and, and so many facets of competition, you can never, ever, ever sleep on your opponent, so Drew should go... Uh, not back, but he should be reminded of how he wants the Royal roster to be. You know, you don't want them to be complacent, Drew, so you need to stay on top of them yourself. You want them to be more like you. So, yeah, of course, talk your talk, but let's not give these guys an inch to breathe if we're going to be uh, going for a victory on them. I like how he does it, you know what I mean, but this has definitely led to some uh, some defeats from him for him at this point, because Finn ultimately did win that match. How and why? Um, well, not unfortunately, but Dolph Ziggler did come through. He should have, some say Dolph should have just took his win and ran with it. But he did interfere in the match, unbeknownst to the official in the ring. But he hit a super kick on him, on uh, Drew McIntyre out of nowhere. He came through the crowd, or however it works. And, uh, you know, again, completely unforeseen. But, you know, uh, 
this was able this was the opening for Finn to eventually get a coup de gras. I'm not really a huge fan of that move. I'm not the craziest about Finn, but he has been around for a while and he's been a great superstar, so this time around I actually liked it because he was able to hit the stomp and actually fall into a pin cover. Which was, it was pretty cool. Uh, Usually he has to do a lot more to get back to him, but he was able to hit the stomp and fall directly into it, which, you know, I guess just the flow and the sequence of it was something that had uh, grasped my attention. So yeah, shouts to Finn for being able to do that and picking up the victory with the assist given to Dolph Ziggler. But hold on, because backstage, we were able to uh, see Finn Balor getting interviewed by, I believe, Charlie Sid, Charlie Caruso. The C stands for CrossFit. Go follow her on Instagram and see her workout regimen. You might even uh, get a little bit of muscle mass yourself. But she's, uh, you know, talking to Finn um, about the victory that he picked up, which was, again, unforeseen by uh, some alignments in the WWE universe because we thought that uh, Drew was going to completely walk through him. But, uh, guess who uh, comes up, you know, it's Ziggy uh, saying, you know, what the, hey, thank me later for helping you pick up a victory. Now, hold on, because we do remember uh, last week on Raw, uh, Dolph Ziggler made it very, very known that he didn't necessarily need Finn's help to win, whether we agree with that or not, this is what uh, Dolph felt, and you know, now we see Dolph Ziggler basically trying to show Finn, hey, look, you did it, I can do it too. But, you know, Finn wasn't feeling it, telling him he didn't need his help. All in all, Dolph Ziggler walked away on top, you know, then touched him, Ziggy slapped him, and then was able to throw him over a couple of boxes and such like that. I did, and honestly, it sets up for a match tonight. Overall, between Dolph Ziggler and Finn Balor, it's going to be a true, true showing of in-ring expertise, in my opinion. I think that uh, both of these guys are big up superstars, but they actually have a true story going because they both didn't need each other to win. Some would even go as far, you know, as to maybe say they could be a tag team potentially one day. I don't think it's going to happen. You know, they call it Dolphin. They have a cute name. But at the same time, we don't necessarily have Mick Foley as Raw GM. Or maybe we will. Maybe even Kurt Angle uh, could be reinstated or however it works. Because, you know, tonight, uh, Mr. McMahon is coming back to Monday Night Raw to shake things up. So anything could happen. But, um, you know, a best of seven between those two. Uh, you never know, whatever, but all in all, they fought, and they got some bad blood toward each other, so we gonna have to find out who's, um, who's better out of the two, because, you know, Finn could always win, but at the same time, Ziggy could, you're never supposed to sleep on Ziggy, and that's been a major lesson to learn throughout the, you know, uh, throughout the years of him with the company, so it's the show of taking on the Rebel, Let's take, I'm, I'm, I anticipate the match, but all in all, the Rebel got the victory over Drew tonight, so congratulations to him, and I know Drew's gonna be on some sort of warpath, <laughs> but that all remains to be seen tonight on Monday Night Raw.
match we've had our ladders match and now we are going to have our chairs match so we've got all three things covered we had our TLC warm-up between Braun Strowman and general manager elect at the time Finn Balor and we even got the TLC match on Monday Night Raw but now we've got the chairs match between Rey Mysterio and Randy Orton and we know uh, throughout the past few weeks Randy Orton has completely uh, destroyed Ray with the chair. Ray had a little bit of a, a you know, a victory spot on SmackDown last week where he was able to kick Randy with the chair, hit a 619 and get up out of there. Tonight going into the match at TLC, it was, uh, Randy was a high favorite to win only because we've seen such a sadistic side from him in the past couple of months. Don't even care to get into too much of it, but let's just say I hope that Ty Dillinger is doing okay. Either way, um, Rey Mysterio and Randy Orton, you know, we've seen chairs matches in the past. This time around, the chairs match was just complete bananas. Started out swinging chairs, both of them. Crazy moments. One of the favorite moves that Ray has been able to add to the repertoire is slide, sliding splash under the rope to outside of the ring. He did that this time with the chair. I don't know what it was. Maybe Ray was holding the chair the wrong way. Every time he tried to hit a chair shot, the chair would open up or unfold. And it was like, well, geez, uh, what was going on with that? But either way, uh, Ray was definitely um, a maestro. You know, from a creative space with the chairs, uh, he went for a big spot. It was like a seated sense on him, Randy on the seat outside of the ring, closer to the Spanish announce table, and he jumped from the apron, attempting to hit Randy while he was sitting on the chair. But Randy had to wait to move out of the way, so Ray essentially extracted a steel chair from the apron. My God, that crash burn looked painful. Uh, you know, luckily Ray was able to get up and continue fighting. Randy uh, hit a couple spots. You know, Ray hit his spots. Uh, they setting up chairs in the corner. Ray was able to send Randy into a corner of the turnbuckle while the chair was set up there. We thought Randy was going to hit his head. He ended up hitting his shoulder. So it didn't necessarily go all the way Ray wanted to. So we got to see that awesomely fast power slam that he does. You know, we know that draping DDT is the vintage Orton move, but I've always appreciated that power slam. So, you know, no disrespect in the off chance that my favorite commentator, Michael Cole, gets to hear this, but that power slam is my form of the vintage Orton uh, moves that I really appreciate uh, when Randy does that. But um, ultimately, Randy set up four chairs, looked crazy like he was playing musical chairs the wrong way. But um, Randy sat down in one of them because of uh, Ray doing some sort of move to him. You need to go watch that match because there was a lot of chair spots. But ultimately, oh, he was going to try to, before Randy sat down, please excuse me. He was going to go for an RKO. Ray Mysterio was able to um, reverse out of that and 
I had Randy sit down in one of the chairs and was able to just get a clean uh, roll-up type victory off the chairs. It was it was a little bit of a different spot, but it was for what it was, for what it's worth, it was a good match. Ray was able to secure the one, two, three victory off of that roll-up. You know, you get hit with the chairs enough times, you you're a little dazed, you're a little wobbly, you're a little woozy, so you didn't necessarily know what or how Randy was uh, going to kick out. You assumed that he would, but then you recall that there's been so many chair shots and so many chair spots in that match that ultimately Ray was able to pick up the quick victory, and just as quick as he picked up that victory, he was out of the ring and up that apron, I mean, up the ramp. So, Randy was upset. I don't think that this feud between the two are over. I, um, hope that Ray is going to be all right. <laughs> you know, I just hope that he's going to be all right. All right. So we've got all the stipulations out of the way. The front of the show is done. Now we're getting into the big parts of the show. These are essentially the main events of the show, in my opinion. I definitely like the matches leading into these main events. They got us ready. They left us anticipating what was going to happen toward the end of the show. And WWE got every bit of this part right. Let's get into it because we had our World Women's Championship match between Ronda Rousey and Nia Jax. We're Ronda Rousey and well, let's get into Facebreaker. Facebreaker was able to show out. She's been dealing with a level of scrutiny since she's been given that moniker of the Facebreaker. You know, she took Becky out of action for some weeks. Uh, Becky lost a small bit of steam, but she was still able to uh, keep herself directly in the spotlight, even in that absence. But Nia Jax has been able to... Uh, you know, since Evolution, keep her name in that same very spotlight by mentioning and reminding the WWE Universe of what she did as, as far as concussing Becky Lynch. It's, it's crazy that it happened like that and winning that battle royal at Evolution gave her this opportunity to take on uh, Ronda Rousey. You go back to the first match between the two at Money in the Bank and you know, you saw that Ronda Rousey was still a fairly new, a little green, but, you know, <laughs> Ronda has grown a great deal. The story here was Ronda Rousey was trying to avoid getting punched in the face, getting her face broken by Nia Jax. We saw that Nia was uh, trying to uh, show off her athletic capability. I'm not going to say what the internet has been saying. If you want to feel your way about Nia Jackson in a negative fashion, you can go and find those comments. But I think that Nia was, uh, the way she was, uh, and I have to go here, but the way she was selling some of the moves, selling some of the submissions and getting out of the submissions, you know, showing her power, the way she was rolling over and recognizing when the moves were coming and what was probably going to take place, what Ronda Rousey was attempting to do. I think that she was, uh, you have to give points to her for that because as fast as Ronda Rousey uh, was attempting to get uh, cinch in the armbar, I mean, Nia Jax was able to hit like sit down power bombs, hit the leg drops, show that she's stronger than Ronda Rousey. And of course, with Tamina, 
on the outside lurking and jumping in when she needed to as far as interference went. There was a there was a little bit of a wall stacked against uh, the Brawl Women's Champion. All in all, we saw a great couple of spots from Ronda Rousey with just cool body blows. We saw her actually hit a power bomb off of the top rope. Not the top rope, but uh, Nia Jax was on the second rope. Ronda Rousey was able to go into a sunset, sunset flip position and pull her and pull and pull and pull and was able to power her off of the second rope, which speaks to just how strong the World Women's Champion really is. And um, ultimately, you know, when Tamina was attempting to get involved and the referee caught wind of it, you know, she, she couldn't. And Ronda was able to avoid the knockout blow from Nia Jax, grabbed her arm and held on to it which again speaks to the strength of Ronda Rousey. Uh, flip Nia over, you know, and let's pause, pause. Let's not, you look at some of the technique that Ronda was using with, you know, uh, using Nia's legs as a footstool, the way she was able to pull Nia over to even do a front tumble at the time. She, some we, some call it like the Supergirl punch or super, her version of a Superman punch and homage to Roman. I think it's just Ronda doing one of her many mixed martial arts judo moves. Uh, she's been able to, or she was able to uh, outwit Nia Jax for the most part of that match. And when Nia went for the, the face-breaking punch, you know, Ronda Rousey was able to grab hold of it flip her over and you know she uh, pointed back at Tamina said this could be you they kissed Nia's hand and uh the the way Nia's arm turned you could see her elbow if, if she wouldn't have tapped out it would have snapped out of place you know let's just say it like that it would have been really really bad for Nia Jax so she had no choice but to submit to the World Women's Champion and still Ronda Rousey uh is the forefront at the forefront of the Royal Women's Division and an undefeated WWE superstar. Who's gonna be able to beat her? We don't know. Who's next to try to take her on? We don't know. But Ronda Rousey right now is at the top of her game. She continues to impress. Take nothing away from Nia Jackson, her defeat, but Ronda Rousey was able to pick up that victory. Now hold on because backstage, oh backstage. I said, hey, yo, you ever had somebody talking that talk about you and you ain't necessarily need them talking no talk about you? So then when you finally address them about they talk, you handle them? Yeah? Because that's exactly what the man Becky Lynch did. Rebecca was in the building. The man came around and the man was collecting debt. What happened? Look, Nia Jax backstage. Assumedly upset about the situation. And here come Becky. And Becky had to put her hands to her. What you mean? Becky literally put her down with one hit. And that was the end of that. Now Nia Jax ain't get concussed. Her face ain't broke, I don't think. But at the end of the day, from what I seen, 
from what I seen, because I stepped away for a moment and I came back to it. And all I seen was Becky put her hands to her and Nia Jax was on the floor. And what we were was keep my name out your mouth. Look at that. Look at that. Becky Lynch, man. Becky Lynch, man. That's, that was just, that's a SmackDown Women's Champion talking. Took away all the steam. Took away. You took some heat for yourself. What you think you is? What, what, what do you think this is? What, what, you ain't even on the roster. You you, you want to be that mad they're going to break the nose? Shorty went on autopilot and was still standing tall. Come on, man. Come on, man. Come on, man. So the man came around put Nia Jax down. Thank you, Becky Lynch. Thank you. Everybody cheer for Becky. Everybody cheer for Becky because we love Becky. Shouts to you, Rebecca. You did the damn thing. between Daniel Bryan and, well, excuse me, the new Daniel Bryan and the phenomenal AJ Styles. We know that Daniel Bryan has been on a completely different type of power trip as the WWE World Heavyweight Champion. And when I say power trip, I truly mean he is, uh, he's being himself. You know, AJ actually said, I don't care if it's the new Daniel Bryan or the old Daniel Bryan. I think we're seeing the real Daniel Bryan uh, in a situation like this with him holding the strap. He's, uh, according to Corey Graves on commentary, he, the, the championship is now uh, a leather alternative and it's uh, vegan friendly. So no cow leather. You know, no cow was harmed, I believe, uh, you know, uh, back in the day or whatever. You know, Daisy had nothing to do with this. No cows were harmed in the rebrandishing of that WWE World Heavyweight Championship. The new Daniel Bryan went in there against the phenomenal AJ Styles and had something to prove. You know, he won the title by, uh, you know, what some would call nefarious means, what others would call by any means. I think that, you know, he's been, uh, uh, if anything, entertaining, you know, with speaking down in the WWE universe, uh, and calling them fickle, and uh, showing them just how ignorant they truly are to how much of, how much following they do, you know, with just following the trend and uh, trying to be part of the cool cities. Remember, this is the week of the hills. I'm sorry, y'all. But, um, you know, he's he's definitely been on a tirade. I think the quote was, uh, ignorance is the deliberate cultivation of stupidity, or stupidity is the deliberate cultivation of ignorance, or something like that. But uh, he, he ain't all the way wrong. Most people are just... Uh, attempting to do the consumer thing and we all know this we've all uh done enough of our own personal study to see just how the masses will blindly follow the shiny light in the corner hey i will tap you on your left shoulder from your right hand side and i bet you look to the left because this is exactly what daniel bryan has essentially done to to show everyone you know when 
everyone was uh, shouting what, you know, what chant is itself is fairly, uh, again, entertaining, it's something that the WWE Universe has been doing, but this is a 20-year-old chant that was a part of a storyline that some would argue weakened one of the most beloved characters in the World Wrestling Federation before we got the F out and yeah WWE now in Stone Cold Steve Austin and so in the off, well, off chance that the Rattlesnake gets to hear this so I don't mean any harm by saying that please don't uh, Stone Cold stutter me I can do that backflip that The Rock did I'll probably uh, sell it two times over uh, I know you still got it but either way the new Daniel Bryan has made everyone aware that eating factory farmed foods uh, releases methane gases into the air. He's making everyone aware that consumerism is not good. It's not cute. You're just aiding in the, giving the powers that be more power. So if you want more power to go to them, who are you taking the power away from? You're destroying all of the stuff that the earth has given you for think I'm done with that he went in there against the phenomenal AJ Styles and you know AJ is still my personal champion I, I respect him a great deal he's not on the AJ Styles bandwagon when he uh when he first came around and all of the hype was surrounding him coming out but I'm talking before number three in the Royal Rumble and once he came out once the music hit and the fans went crazy and Roman was looking all squinted up the ramp that was when the the ticker started with me and AJ Styles and since then I've done nothing but gain more and more respect for him leading into him being WWE World Heavyweight Champion his United States title run was a thing of beauty to me and it was uh you know, his WrestleMania match against the United States champion now, Shinsuke Nakamura, was a great rivalry between the two, even though the low blows were plentiful, and it's very clear that, uh, just like Drew McIntyre, everyone has to resort to some other means to take out the champion, just as Daniel Bryan did uh, weeks ago on SmackDown Live 2. That's right, win the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. So, now we got the match at TLC. I believe this is a contractually obligated rematch between the two. And, look, these guys went in there and they had a wrestling match. <clears throat> they had a bout that represents sports entertainment. A lot of reversals, a lot of near falls, a lot of great selling, a lot of submissions. You know, the LaBelle lock was locked in. It was, uh, you know, the calf crusher was locked in. Each time AJ went for the Styles Clash, Daniel Bryan was able to reverse out of it, realizing what was coming. And all in all, the new Daniel Bryan was able to secure a small package victory, which we can recall, he is Mr. Small Package. You know, I believe this was how he became number one contender. When he took out the Miz back in uh, one of those pay-per-views earlier this year, I would call it Super Showdown. Yeah, because you know it was it streamed so early in the states, but that match was no longer than 30 seconds. And um, yeah, Daniel Bryan was able to pick up that victory, you know, with a small package. So small package here for the victory, and all in all. 
Daniel Bryan was able to secure a clean victory over AJ Styles. Now, again, man ain't, you know, real man ain't afraid to admit when he's wrong. I was wrong. I thought Daniel Bryan was going to resort to another low blow. Even the kickoff panel thought that, you know, Daniel Bryan was going to have, was going to come with some, with a whole nother level. You know, I believe AJ Styles was backstage being interviewed by lovely Kayla Braxton. And he, he was even saying, look, whatever it takes, I'm walking out as champion because he was in the mentality that Daniel Bryan was going to do that. But Daniel Bryan had all of that scouted and proven that he is not necessarily a cheater. Small package victory, center of the ring. One, two, three. I, I, I respect that. And no, I'm not just saying that because it's a it's a week for the heels. I'm saying that because honestly, I wasn't. You know, you go back and you check some of my some of my recaps and reviews on the SmackDown Live products, especially since Daniel Bryan has become the new WWE World Heavyweight Champion. And you know, it's been a gradual process, but I actually respect it, and I respect him a greater deal now. You know, I'm. You know, I'll be honest with you, you listen here, every, in between the segments, even though my song has to continue restarting and stopping, it's alright. That's a plastic water bottle. That's right. So I'm, you know, I'm just as bad as everyone else, but I'm at least attempting to listen in to what he has to say. Because he is the World Heavyweight Champion of WWE, and you can't take away from any of his accolades and accomplishments. I think Tom Phillips was the one that was saying that he it was all a lie, it was all a front, it was all a ruse. He's a, he was all he was saying and doing all of that stuff just so he could eventually do this. And I'm not gonna agree with that part of the story. I think Daniel Bryan continued to fight for his dreams, you know, and now his dreams are fighting for him to the extent to where he had to had visualized. He's had plenty of practice in the hyperbaric chambers in winning the championship and retaining it in a clean fashion like just because I had to cheat to win here doesn't mean that I will continue to do it maybe I will do it again but I'm not going to do it if I don't have to this is just my take on it you know in-depth opinion and analysis on the product I'm looking at the superstars I'm looking at how their characters are written and how they're portrayed in the ring and this is what I've got from Daniel Bryan in the past couple of weeks especially last night at CLC you should go back and watch that match and see how these two went at it for a while they got a great amount of in-ring time to be able to display and demonstrate their abilities together and ultimately Daniel Bryan walks out still Excuse me, the new Daniel Bryan walks out still WWE World Heavyweight Champion. So, shout out to Daniel Bryan for that. Are you mad? Are you mad? Stop it. Just applaud. Come on. Applaud. Thank you. championship right now is the heavyweight championship overall it is the raw title Brock Lesnar does what he wants when he wants how he wants whenever he wants so fine fine go ahead universal championship energy I've clearly spoken on it in the past and if you want to hear about it 
can definitely go back and hear one of my recaps and reviews on it. I definitely give, gave a very in-depth analysis about how I feel about the uh, Universal Heavyweight title. It's um, it's spiritual energy. Not everybody can wield it. It's very unfortunate what happened to uh, Roman, you know. But you look at it, you go back, you see what happened to Finn. You see what happened to Rome, unfortunate. But again, it's a week of the heels. We hear how Dean been talking. You know, and you can even recognize it for yourself with only certain people being able to hold on to that championship up for such a long time. So, Intercontinental Championship is the Raw title. It's the top title on Monday Night Raw. And we had Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose on one-on-one for October 22nd, 2018. It is uh, a day that will live on. I remember it very, very well. It was uh, Roman Reigns relinquishing the championship because of his uh, fight beginning again with leukemia it was very sad news indeed and we hope that Roman is okay that was the same night that Dean Ambrose turned on Seth and when they won the tag team championships and you know since then it's been a big roller coaster of emotions between the two you know Dean's argument would be that you know he suffered changed and Dean is the only man with integrity left and you know we don't know what's necessarily going on inside of Dean's head I actually can um, understand you know with all of the ways that they've been trying to grill Renee Young you know mainly uh, Corey Graves but it's made for good commentary in my opinion they've uh They've been trying to find, at least getting ahead of Dean uh, via Renee. And, you know, she's not really uh, well aware of what's exactly going on in his head. And I'm not really going to speak about it, you know. I just wanted to, I wanted to see what Dean was thinking himself. But, you know, Renee can only give us but so much, you know, like in respect to their marriage, their union. You know, Dean, you go back and watch the Chronicle on the WWE Network and you even listen into uh, my analysis of that Chronicle. You can see how Dean uh, really uh, stays in his head about how he feels about things. So I can, I can kind of understand that. Well, one thing for certain is that we're not really gonna understand Dean. You know, he thinks he has the integrity. He thinks he's been the same way. And if we can recall correctly, you know, six years ago, the Shield made their debut at that pay-per-view or in that city. And they weren't necessarily the good guys, you know? So all of a sudden it turned into them being the good guys and that was where Roman and Seth wanted to be more so role models and uh, you know, good influences and I guess Dean wasn't really feeling that. You go back to the kickoff panel speaking on how you know Dean felt overshadowed because these guys were the main faces but Dean was always just that third member being there. So much clout you get as a tag team champion when you've got an intercontinental champion and a universal champion or a WWE world heavyweight champion at the time. You know, 
right by your side, like, yeah, but you teamed up with them, you don't have a championship for yourself, and that's just the way the title picture is on Raw right now, and no disrespect to what championships we do have, you know, you can't be a women's champion, this isn't SmackDown 2, just bring it, you know, this is the modern era of WWE, especially now, so, you know, seeing Seth running around with, you know, two titles and such, or, you know, seeing Roman with the big title back when uh, Baron Corbin was acting general manager, you know, he had the opportunity to take on either one of them, but Dean was still in his head of, this is a brotherhood, I'm pretty sure if he could go back, he would actually change the decision he made as opposed to going in there and fighting the monster among men and Braun Strowman, you know, but, and maybe he would have won one of those matches, if not well, whichever one of the matches he would have chosen if it would have been against any one of his at the time shield brethren. It's very clear that Dean Ambrose was able to uh, pick up the win on Seth Rollins because he he picked that Seth Rollins weak point, which was Seth being too emotionally attached to a certain idea, and that's a major lesson for any one of us to learn, you know, like, uh, to be champion is a different situation and to be in a team, you know, and, you know, he picked up the win on Seth, it was a cool back and forth match, the crowd wasn't necessarily into it, but it was only because, in my opinion, they had just came off of the heels of, of an excellent, fairly long matchup between Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles, and, you know, Seth and Dean are both very, uh, capable, but they're not as, uh, Showboaty. I'm not trying to speak down on AJ or Daniel Bryan, but they're not as uh, outward. Like these guys are the top guys on Raw. SmackDown is a different entity, so we're gonna see a different type of match. I thought it was a very cool balance to have with uh, two superstars that are at the top of Raw and two superstars that are at the top of SmackDown uh, be able to go and have the heavyweight match for the respective uh, brands championship so I didn't think the match was boring at all I think it was uh, two top guys going at it in the name of who's better so you know Seth had moments Dean had moments Dean I think this, the story for me showed that Dean was able to get out of a lot of the things that Seth was attempting to do or he'd be able to get back up after whatever Seth threw at him Dean was able to throw some things out at him, but, you know, he clearly learned why we call Seth the architect, why he is the man, why he's Seth freaking Rollins, you know, and ultimately, all in all, Dean picked up that victory because of exactly what he said on Raw. He said that Seth was going to lose control of his emotions. He would drop the ball, and that would be what leads him to losing the Intercontinental. Seth could have won that match. Nah, he want to talk to Dean. He want to, you see what you did, Dean? This is all your fault, Dean. We could have had something special, Dean. We had something special. We were a team, Dean. And that is what led into a Dirty Deeds and the one, two, three. Seth had it. I know Seth is probably... Uh, very upset with himself for losing the championship in storyline and um you know Dean I believe is now uh, 
we'll hear, we'll probably hear about it maybe on Raw, but uh, the, the thing that was rumbling around was that the long, the one that had the title the most times was, or one of the most times was Goldust or something like that, or I believe Y2J, but Dean is definitely creeping up that list now, so, or something, something, but either way, Dean is our new Intercontinental Champion, I respect it a great deal, I think it's a great idea to have him uh, be Intercontinental Champion, we know Seth is going to have that contractually obligated rematch, we could see it tonight on Raw, I honestly, after the rematch is done with, which Dean could potentially retain, I would like to see these guys uh, move on to new rivalries we don't know what could be in store for either Seth or Dean but either way it goes I know that these two have grown a lot through that and it's quite a poetic way for things to finish up because you know Roman was out before when the shield was starting to reform and now that the shield has essentially disbanded again you know it ended off with Dean and Seth so it's um it's cool you know and this time it was Dean the turn so you know before it was Seth all those many years ago this time Dean did it it was it was really really cool so all in all I respected it a great deal congratulations to Dean Ambrose and hold your head Seth because you're still an architect Now is the moment we've all been waiting for the entire evening from the 6 p.m. kickoff all the way to, that's right, the main event, Oscar, Charlotte Flair, Becky Lynch, SmackDown Women's Championship, TLC match, first ever, last pay-per-view of the year, the women have had a year of firsts, and this was truly the culmination of all of those things summed up into one. Of course, we take away nothing from evolution, but we saw what Becky and Charlotte were able to do together. So to add in the X factor of the Empress of Tomorrow, who went undefeated for what, over 500 days, it literally screamed classic. And no, no, spoiler, it did not disappoint. It was match of the year candidate. Probably the best women's match we've seen uh, since the women's evolution started. Please excuse me. <coughs> I apologize. It's just been a great year between all of the women that have taken part in the women's revolution into the evolution. And I'm very proud to say that I've been right here watching along with my heart on my sleeve. Whether we're talking uh, the women in the ring, the women on commentary, the women coming up on the digital team, you know, that was all represented in this first ever women's TLC match between the Empress of Tomorrow, Shabazzard, and Rebecca. 
that's right. So, for all of the sentiment out of the way, these women did everything in their power to destroy each other. And that is great sports entertainment. I don't know if in the modern era the men can put together something that can top that. And we will have to see next year at TLC. But for right now, next to, you know, of course, that triple threat with the Hardys, the Dudleys, and Edgy Christian all those years ago, this is my favorite TLC match. Spot after spot after spot. If you go back to, if you go to the WWE YouTube channel, you can see Jeff Hardy and Devon Dudley, uh, you know, re-watching that classic itself of their match all those years ago, I believe it was what, 2000, 2001 one of those years and they went at it and they said that yeah that's nothing compared but one of the references I think Devon made was yeah we, how do you continue to top each move that happens you know it's also painful I'm pretty sure it is we saw Charlotte Take a senton directly on her midsection. Becky did it from closer to the top of the ladder. She had Oscar and Charlotte on the table, but Oscar was able to get up and get out of there. But the table didn't break automatically or immediately. It took a moment to break underneath the weight and the impact as in like you guys ever watch uh, DBZ or Dragon Ball Z or any of those uh, awesome movies where it takes a moment like something takes a moment before it implodes or explodes or something like that the reason why that table did not break immediately is because time stopped that's right that's right they stopped time for a moment because that is something that we in the WWE universe whether we're part of the black matter in the shadows like myself or you're at the forefront like the guys over at what culture or cultaholic or you know good micro commentaries or solid monster or the forefront of the anchor podcast app like the epw and you know wrestlefania and amongst other great names time stopped and then the table broke that's right so that was a huge spot in the match. We saw them climbing the ladder. And behold, we saw the ladder go up and down. Because just as fast as they were going up, trying to ascend and touch the ladder. I mean, to get to that title. Which Oscar was the first person to touch the title. Which was an epic foreshadow. But they were getting beat back down. Who had the energy? Who would have the energy to get up after some of those moves? the way Charlizard was able to get back up after getting a, having a senton delivered with such impact you know being placed through a ta- like they set up a table in the corner turnbuckle and I believe she was power bombed into it look the bottom of the table broke not the mid-sec not the mid part not the middle part so Charlotte took a really hard hit on that table was it a power bomb? It was something, but the table broke, and Charlotte was the one that went through it. 
Oscar literally was, I think it was Oscar that was the one that put it through that table. So everyone got a table spot. Everyone had a ladder spot and drop chairs. The kendo stick came out and that's how we knew that Charlotte was, Charlotte Zard was back. You could see the face, you could see the wild hair. You could see the, the sweat and the fatigue all over these women. Oscar was in the corner because sequence in this match doesn't matter. It's all about the spots. Oscar got up and was speared through the timekeeper's barricade, but it didn't break. But that just speaks to the impact of how hard Charlotte hit her. You could hear Charizard roaring. Do you know the last time I heard somebody roar and spear someone through a barricade? Yep, Super Showdown Roman Reigns. So Charizard channeled her inner Roman and speared Asuka through the barricade. Did it look painful? It was. Asuka's laid out underneath Charlotte, Charlotte trying to get up and it was just crazy. It was crazy. Becky was doing everything she could to retain that championship. And yes, they went and climbed the ladder. And while Becky, excuse me, Charlotte and Oscar were climbing the ladder. And you know what? Drop that. Charlotte had Becky on the table outside by the commentator's area and hit. That's right, a swanton bomb and an homage to Jeff Hardy. Now, look, look, in-depth analysis, I have to do this, Charlotte. All chance you get to hear this, you know how I feel about you. She was a little bit though, but she didn't want to go all the way. So she was kneeled over and then just went into the front tumble. That was the way I used to practice my swanton bomb as a kid. So it's all right. The emotional factor is definitely there. I respect it a great deal. And would I have the heart to do it? Yes. Would I do it? Probably not. <laughs> you know, but either way, she did it, and she landed on Becky Lynch, and both of them were laid out. This is what gave Oscar the opening to go for the championship, and we all thought that Oscar was going to win it. Nope. Charlotte was able to get up. How? You listen to Tom Phillips ask this question enough times, and he definitely uh, was well within his rights for asking because I couldn't tell you. It was uh, the only answer I could come up with in my own head would be uh, maybe genetic superiority, maybe being naturally selected, you know, and she was my favorite going into the match. You can hear uh, how Charlotte's relationship with the title is almost like a relationship with like a, a boyfriend. He's mine. It's mine. You know, she's done this a number of times, even uh, back when she was fighting for the Raw Women's Championship against Sasha Banks, who actually likes my podcast. That's right. Go figure. Charlotte, I know Charlotte, excuse me, Sasha Banks likes my podcast. We love you, Sasha. You know, but this is, this is what it is. These women went in there and they showed out. So to close the match, we have Oscar and Charlotte climbing the ladder. Oscar was in there, but Charlotte had the wherewithal. I don't know where she got it from, but she's ascending the ladder with Oscar, and they're fighting for it. But on camera, you can just see a, a floating ladder 
you know, being set up and as it is by the man. Where did she get it from? She just jumped off of a ladder and then landed through a table. She, she got put through a table. Someone threw their body on top of her to land through a real table. You could see how heavy those tables were. These tables are not the tables of the 90s and 2000s. These are actual tables that you go to banquet halls and such and you see, or whatever, like, yeah, you see the, the brown tables with the steel underneath. These tables are not pre-cut. These are real live tables and they're breaking. And that means there's a lot of force being put on them. So these moves hurt, ladies and gentlemen. They don't feel good. But Becky was able to still put the second ladder up and ascend the ladder to try to get over those two and grab the title while they were still fighting. I guess whatever. But Charlotte was able to knock Oscar down a couple of pegs and Charlotte had to climb over to try to knock Becky off. So now she's on the second ladder. They're not necessarily underneath the title, but hey, however it works, is going to have to figure it out. It's going to have to figure out a way to work. And while Charlotte and Becky are going at it and trying to get each other off of the ladder, who other than the Royal Women's Champion, the baddest bee on the planet, Ronda Rousey come down. Now, I made a reference toward it earlier this week. I said I didn't want to talk about it too much because we didn't know how it was all going to play out. But, that's right, Ronda Rousey did not forget what happened at Survivor Series between herself and Charlotte Flair. She knows that her and Becky were supposed to go at it. So two birds, one stone. Here comes Ronda Rousey to the ring underneath the ladder because we're not superstitious over here pushes the ladder whilst Charlotte and Becky Lynch are on it, effectively hanging them up on the ropes and knocking them out. That wasn't applause this time around, ladies and gentlemen. That was me wiping the hands clean. Job well done, Ronda Rousey. You go ahead. Let's take a pause. In the Royal Women's Championship match between Ronda Rousey and Nia Jax, there was a moment where Ronda was in a submission hold. And... Nia told the ref to ask her if she submits. And the referee had great spots where he said Rhonda's name. Rhonda! Rhonda! And that was how I felt when Rhonda Rousey did that. Rhonda! Just screaming the name. Rhonda! It will forever live on. Thank you to that referee. So after Rhonda Rousey knocks off, what knocks Charlotte and Becky off of the ladder, hanging them up on the top ropes. This leaves Asuka a wide open opportunity to ascend the ladder and reach for the brass ring that is the WWE SmackDown Women's Championship. And do you know she got that title? And after long dues, we now have a new SmackDown Live Women's Champion and the Empress of Tomorrow, Asuka. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the future. Asuka has arrived. Oscar has returned and now we have a new women's champion. Congratulations to Oscar. Congratulations to Becky and Charlotte for putting on what could be argued match of the year. I appreciate them going in there and representing the women's roster in the way that they did and I look forward to seeing exactly what it is they're able to uh, give us in 2019. It was 
it was bananas. It was literally amazing. And um, that was WWE TLC. Ladies and gentlemen, this podcast is brought to you by the WWE Elite Action Figures, or the Best of Attitude Era Elite Action Figures, available at Amazon. Go get them right now at Amazon. Stop wasting your time. Get those. The Christmas season is coming. If anybody cares, you guys can send me a Dwayne Johnson action figure. Just uh, send me a voice message and we'll chat from there. Uh, K Jewelers, we do appreciate. Listen, watch Raw tonight. Do you know why? Because we're going to get an amazing match between Dark Ziggler and Finn Balor. And do you know why else? Because it's Monday Night Raw, the longest running weekly episodic television show in history. And even though everyone wants to say things about the show, guess what? These guys are putting in an amount of effort that is not easy to do. And if you think it's easy to do, then do it yourself. And we'll see how that works for you. And above anything else, anything else. chairman of the board will be making an appearance how often do we get to see him on television when he comes out when you hear that music hit do your boy a favor do me the favor i'm gonna do it stand up in solidarity and respect to who has given us this product that's right vincent kennedy mcmahon will be on raw tonight 87 central usa network this is Blake. This has been a podcast in Shadow. It's been a cool discussion. I've had fun with you guys. I'm going to go ahead and uh, start doing my push-ups for Raw now. And um, I will talk to you guys tomorrow for the Raw Review and Recap. I'll catch y'all then. Peace.